We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. They know your home is so much more than a house. It's the home of your dreams. And for 30 years, they've been making it better. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get Mortgage. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 40 minutes away. Mark Mask will join us. Washington Post NFL writer will preview today's games. Minnesota at San Francisco, 435, 8-15 today. Tennessee at Baltimore. Tomorrow, Houston at Kansas City. Seattle at Green Bay, 640 p.m. Eastern. Lots of stuff to come up. And also, yeah, noon Eastern, we got to talk about the Rooney Rule. So much to come up. Do we have a do we have her yet, Hickey? All right, let's get to it. We go to the hotline. We welcome in the notorious MKC, Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com, at Mary Kay Cabot on Twitter to see what's going, what, what, whatever is going on with the Cleveland Browns right now. Hello, Mary Kay. Hey, Ken. How you doing? I, I mean, I have no idea. The Cleveland Browns don't have a head coach right now, and we thought yesterday, a lot of people. Now, yesterday, when I was hosting the morning show, I said, I go, nothing's over till it's over. In the words of John Rambo, nothing is over. Until that thing is signed, I ain't going to believe anything. There's so much to unpack, so go with me on this. What do you know about the status of Josh McDaniels with the Cleveland Browns right now? Well, I don't think it's ever a great sign when you have somebody in your building, if you really want to hire them as head coach, you don't let them out of your sight. Now, I know the Browns are staying true to their process, but if that's really your guy, your number one guy, and he's your last interview, I don't think you let him walk. So I just sort of think, you know, something is up here where, you know, maybe they still end up with Josh, maybe they don't. But if you have that opportunity, like the other teams that we've seen in this hiring cycle, you know, the Cowboys, the Panthers, the Giants, they got a hold of their guy, and they did not let him go until they had a contract. Mary Kay Cabot with us from the Cleveland Plain Dealer. So they're sticking true to this thought, and – we know that that Jimmy Haslam wanted Josh McDaniel six years ago. Uh, it went the other way. Maybe Joe Banner talked him out of it, depending on who you talk to. So now six years later, Josh McDaniels is in the building. Is there a argument going on? Maybe not an argument, but some some developing things going on where maybe Paul DiBodesta, who's the chief strategy officer, has been placed one of the people in charge of this of this search. Maybe still has the ear of Jimmy Haslam and is still trying to get Kevin Stefanski or maybe Robert Sala as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? Well, what I do know for sure is that Paul D. Podesta loved Kevin Stefanski last year. That, that is just, uh, you know, you can take that to the bank. So here he has another opportunity to land Kevin Stefanski this year, and Kevin Stefanski has only added to his resume. Now, does that mean that he is their number one guy this year? I can't say that for sure because they have interviewed some other intriguing candidates this hiring cycle, as you just mentioned, a Robert Sala. Uh, so I don't know exactly how it's going down. I, I don't know what they're going to end up with, but but I do know Paul loved Kevin Stefanski last year. There was not a consensus, obviously, in the building last year about Josh McDaniels because they didn't even interview him last year. 
a part of that probably was because of John Dorsey and uh, Daniels had just left Chris Ballard at the altar the year before. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I still don't think that there is a 100% consensus in the building on, on Josh, or at least there wasn't last year. Is there a possibility because it, it takes two to tango that Josh McDaniels, because you're going to want things that are going to be in place, that he might have told some truths about the franchise, that ownership, or the, the hiring process didn't want to hear? Yes, this is absolutely a two-way street. This has got to be right for Josh McDaniels, or he's not going to take it. And I just saw uh, something from, from Chris Mortensen uh, who, who mentioned something about how you know maybe Josh will stick around in New England. That's always been... The, uh, the thing with Josh McDaniels. Every time he tries to, to step a toe out of, out of New England, uh, they kind of pull him back in. Now, I reported first last week that he was kind of prevented from going out there and getting his interviewing done. The Patriots sort of blocked that. Uh, I reported that a couple days ago, and, um, and you know now I'm seeing that other people are reporting that as well, that he wasn't able to get with the Giants or the Panthers when he actually really would have wanted to because the Patriots made him stick around and do exit interviews. I checked with the Patriots on that several days ago, never got an answer back, but, uh, but this is sort of the narrative that's out there now. Well, that, I mean, that would play into the favor of other teams, but again, if he just wants to go back, because uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that Josh might be frustrated by that situation, which you just, which you just explained? I mean, he respects the process exit interviews, but Joe Judge, who's another, another assistant on that team, gets the job with the New York Giants, and he's still waiting in the lurch right now. Well, I, I would imagine that you, know, that you would be annoyed by that, considering that you lose your leverage. There's no, I mean, you can't bounce two teams off of each other uh, and up the ante if, if you don't have two offers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I would think that, that that was upsetting to him. But, uh, but, you know, we'll have to see how this plays out. Now, again, there's starting to be talk that maybe he will end up staying in New England. Maybe Bob Kraft is coming to him and, and talking to him about Tom Brady and what the future might hold and things like that. So uh, this thing is still developing. Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. Find her on Twitter at Mary Kay Cabot. What about Paul D. Podesta? He's heavily involved in this process. He's the chief strategy officer. Uh, but also he has got a contract that's supposed to come to come to a close at maybe the end of the business week or maybe the end of Sunday. What's his future? Could he possibly hire a head coach, then a general manager, then leave the Cleveland Browns? Well, I think if that happens, it would be of his own volition. I do not think that he will be forced out in any way. He's Jimmy Haslam's right-hand man. Jimmy loves him. Uh, he loves the analytics approach that Paul brings. He's been his right-hand man for all these years. So I think it would be 100% Paul's choice if he wants to leave, and I know Jimmy really wants him to stay. Uh, for Robert Sala or Kevin Stefanski, are those the other two candidates, or is there another candidate that Browns fans should be wondering about? You know, I, I keep hearing other names that you know that are very intriguing, including a Jim Schwartz because of the experience that he has as a head coach. So, you know, I, I think – uh, there are a lot of guys that are still in play right now. I mean, if I had to guess, I would think uh, that, that Sala, Stefanski, and, and McDaniels would probably be uh, the ones that are probably uppermost in the conversation right now. But that, that's really only, you know, just a guess from things that I've been talking to people about. How many, how many people do you talk to wonder if, if too many people are whispering to Jimmy Haslam about this job? 
Uh, you know, I think they've they've kept the process pretty tight this year. I think they've I think he's really let Paul D. Podesta try to run it. Now, what they have done is they've done an amazing job of of diligence. They have really researched these candidates. They've come up with what they believe is an excellent candidate pool. And I, I have to agree. I mean, I think there are a number of guys in the other that are going to be really good head coaches in the NFL, really intriguing guys. Uh, so I think they've done a good job with the process. Now they just have to, to uh, reach the right conclusion this year, which they didn't last year. How much consideration does Baker Mayfield get in all this? I think he's getting some. I, I think he's getting some. I, you know, it's important to get Baker back on track next year because he obviously is supposed to be the franchise quarterback. That has got to happen this year. Uh, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, that that is a, a deal breaker or that everything is dependent upon that. I think it's a large piece of it, but not the whole thing. For for the group that is leading the charge, how much are they – is it is it do you have to work with Baker Mayfield or are they open to other ideas already, even though it's, he'd only be going into his third season? I think right now uh, Baker Mayfield is the focus. But, you know, we don't even really know, obviously, who the head coach is yet. So, uh, you know, so you never really know. But I think that everyone is going into this believing that Baker Mayfield can still be that franchise quarterback as long as he gets the right coaching. And I've talked to a lot of people that are quarterback experts in the last couple of months, and, and most people say the same thing, that he just needs coaching to get back on track. What about OBJ? You know, I mean, that's another one. As of right now, it's all systems go, but, you know, there will be two new sheriffs in town and two, you know, four new eyes on, on all of these guys. And then you have to consider all the salaries and things like that. And OBJ, you know, you want a player that's going to be happy with the team he's at. So I think that once they get everyone in place, I think they all need their, to put their heads together and decide if this is a fit going forward. Mary Kay Cabot joining us on the on the hotline from the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Do you think uh, now OBJ was in town yesterday? Was he in town to rehab an injury, or was he in town to talk to Josh McDaniels? You know what? He's probably here still rehabbing his injury and trying to decide if he's going to need a surgery and working with the medical team. But as long as you're in town and you've got a candidate in the building, sure, why not parade OBJ through there and you know maybe have a chance meeting in the hallway or bring him in and have a conversation with him? So, uh, yeah, I would absolutely think that there was a little bit more than just coincidence to that. What about the general manager position? What are some names you're hearing right now? Well, Andrew Barry is one that I've thrown out there, uh, you know, very early on in this process. He's uh, with the Eagles right now, but I know Jimmy Haslam would love to have him back. Uh, a lot, of course, depends on who the coach is going to be. Uh, you know, they say that he's going to come from outside of the building. I'm not sure if, if they went with a uh, – I think a Kevin Stefanski would pair very, very well with Andrew Barry, and so would a Robert Sala. But, uh, you know, some of the other guys, Josh McDaniels would probably want to bring in a David Ziegler, his John Carroll teammate from, from Cleveland, Ohio. So uh, it, it really all depends on who the coach is. Is Casario a consideration or is his contract too muddy? Because we, we've learned this from the whole Texans thing, too. Yeah, you know what? I, I hear that, that he is not as much of an option for Josh as, as a Dave Ziegler would be. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't put him real super high on the list just from some of the different things I've heard. Another opportunity, if he couldn't get his hands on David Ziegler, probably would be Scott Pioli, the former Browns, 
patriots and yeah you said what did you said i think it was yesterday you said that he was actually a lot closer than people realized to being the general manager before john dorsey that was actually uh jason lacanfora's report oh, okay. this morning um but i i know that scott would love to come back here he loves cleveland he would love to have the gm job in cleveland and if uh if josh does end up with the job and even though it's starting to seem less and less likely now that that's going to happen for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I know Scott would love to come back here. What is that reason? What do you think? You know, as far as Josh is concerned right now, yeah, yeah, I'm just starting to wonder if, if he is second guessing it as a fit perhaps, or if they are sweetening the pot again in new England, you know, again, they're talking about, you know, what if Tom Brady, comes back. The two of those guys have been together forever. You know, maybe they're putting their heads together and sort of working out their futures together. Uh, You know, maybe they want to continue to work together and they're trying to find a way to make that happen. Mary Kay, we thank you very much for the time. I know you're very busy. You know I appreciate it. All the best to you and I'll talk to you again soon. Sure. Thanks for having me. The great Mary Kay Cabot on the hotline. Find her on Twitter at Mary Kay Cabot, 855-212-4CBS. Coming up in just over 20 minutes, Mark Mass going to join us. We'll talk playoffs with him. Up next, Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Gentleman is Dorsey. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. Times are a-changing, man. Times are certainly a-changing. I'm not going to go... Ripping on coaching hires. I have no Joe Judge is really exciting. That guy can speak. You guys are in New York. Pierno, are you a Giants fan or are you probably a Jets fan? Who knows? You're probably a nihilist for all I know. J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Gotta admit though, Joe Judge was pretty uh, pretty exciting there. Yeah, but Gotta what, admit that, buddy boy. What does that mean? I it doesn't mean anything. He exactly. could end up sucking up the room. Jim Tom Sula Jim Tom Sula looks like a butcher. Jim Tom Sula's at every man. It, 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 it didn't end up well in San Francisco. Freddie Kitchens was a really nice story. It didn't end up well in Cleveland. A lot of situations don't end up well. I, I'm impressed by the way Joe Judge speaks. I don't know if he can coach his way out of a paper bag. I have no idea. We'll find out. Well, Nick Saban said great things about him. Nick Saban said great things about Freddie Kitchens last year. You think Nick Saban's going to go, yeah, he sucks. You guys made a horrible decision. No, he's not going to do that. Lord. He may not say anything, and that can mean something. But he's not going to say terrible things about the guy when he gets the job. With Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera is such an adult move by Dan Snyder. Mike McCarthy is an adult move by Jerry Jones, and it's perf- it actually is perfect. For Cowboys fans who are upset about that, he's got a great resume. I know you've heard that before, but he's got a great resume. And before, when he was in Green Bay, and Aaron Nagler says this, and Aaron Nagler was as right as rain, Mike McCarthy was forced to answer questions that really he shouldn't have had to answer because Ted Thompson didn't go in front of the media. Jerry Jones goes in front of the media too much. Jerry Jones will answer all those questions. All Mike McCarthy has to do is roll up his sleeves, coach the team. Jerry gets to keep his power. Mike McCarthy's a good football coach. Cowboys fans, this is something that can work out. Jerry gets to keep his power. 
Mike gets to coach the football team, and he doesn't have to answer general manager style questions. Like he'll still be asked a couple of those questions, but he can just go, "Well, Jerry's the owner and general manager of the football team. Ask him." He has his weekly press conference after every single game, so you can go ahead and ask him, which is the most bizarre thing ever. But still, you can go ahead and ask him. the The Joe Judge, we'll find out. Matt Rule in Carolina. Matt Rule in Carolina is a forward thinking decision. I love it because it's it it adds more to the conversation. I think now is the time where college football coaches can pounce, and I'll get to that here in a bit. But when I do look at the Joe Judd situation and what's going on in Cleveland, it is old school versus new school. Old style where guys like Bill Polian, they would sit there with a stopwatch and, well, they just got that eye. They could look at that, – that's the way they, these guys sell themselves too. They got that. They can look into the eye of a player and figure out if he's got that hunger or not. We did that last year. Remember DK Metcalf? I mean, he runs a grade 40, and he looks like he's the Hulk, but this guy's going to be a bust. Oh, okay. And then we thought it was silly when Pete Carroll made him take his shirt off in front of him, which was actually kind of silly, to be honest. But still, we thought it was silly. He's ended up being a really good wide receiver for, for, for Russell Wilson. Kind of just what the doctor ordered there. Okay. And John Schneider throws some analytics in there. Pete Carroll, old-style football, 70 years old. I think just about 70 years old now. Hey, it ends up working. But when I look at the Giants and I see Dave Gettleman where you went and you, you picked a quarterback that a lot of people didn't really know or a lot of people weren't really sure about, should say, and you drafted him highly, you have one of the best running backs in the game, you have, other than that, a couple of shoddy pieces in there that you still need to work on. And now you have a head coach where it basically looks like you went out there and you decided on him to keep your power, to do it the old style way. Doesn't that resemble the Cleveland freaking Browns at some point? Giants and Browns fans were fighting each other all this last year about who won the OBJ trade while both teams were not in the playoffs. It's more excusable for the Giants, I grant you, but both teams were not in the playoffs. This whole theory, well, OBJ, it's made the Giants that much better. I, I don't know. They finished with a poor record. They still fired the coach at the end of the year. How much better did it make you? you we hear about you weren't the number one pick for Josh McDaniels or a couple of other coaches. You go out, you get go, Joe Judge. Joe Judge is a hell of a speaker, but it's exactly what Pierno said. There's plenty of guys who can give great speeches. I, I need leadership. I need you to be able to to focus on the task at hand on third down and be able to do what's necessary to get the job done. Manage the clock. Don't do anything stupid. Assemble a good a good coaching staff. And again, don't do anything stupid. But what I just said about the Giants, you have a quarterback you took number one overall that a lot, a lot of people were a lot of people were surprised about. You have a really good running back, one of the top three, top five running backs in the league. Not Saquon Barkley, but still pretty damn good. A definite Pro Bowler. You have a couple of shoddy pieces. You got a couple of good pieces. Last year. You hurried right to it. You hired a guy to keep your power. Now that guy's fired. This is this is the Browns one year further. That's what the Giants have become. It's the same thing. And, and one thing where I do like John Dorsey a lot as a person, I think he's great. I think he's a great football mind. I think that he should have another job here very, very soon. 
But one of the things that, that make you fearful is that if you just do not respect the future of what the NFL is going to become or what sports is going to become, you are going to be left in the past. You'll be left further back than what people accuse Mike McCarthy of being further back with. You may be uncomfortable with stats and analytics and guys with glasses on coming together with different formulas of of how guys work together. And myself, I'm a little bit worried about it as well because I think it's a generational change. I don't think it's as clear-cut as what you find in basketball with Daryl Morey or what we found in baseball with sabermetrics. It's the ultimate team game. Guys are running in 22 different directions. It's a much smaller sample size than 82 games or 40 games in college basketball or 162 or just over 60, if I'm not mistaken, in college baseball. It's a lot different than any of that. It's 16 games or coming from college, it's 12 games at minimum. It's a smaller sample size. There's more pieces that are involved, but it doesn't mean I can just sit back and go, oh, I got that eye you got to factor in logic. You have to factor in science. I can't turn down guys in white coats and say that they're silly and they don't know my sport. No, they probably will know it eventually here. And what we do is probably still going to work in the future. I don't know how much it works right now, and that's why it takes a little bit to mesh. But you have the most paranoid source of people that you're ever going to find. Football people having to work with interlopers who are going to work with analytics, something that they don't know much about and something that they used to make fun of back when they were in school. Ain't going to work that way, and it ain't going to work out well. The Browns find themselves in problems. The Giants find themselves in problems. It's the same franchise. Finkel is Ironhorn. The Browns are the Giants. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, Mark, Mark Maskey joins us. Washington Post NFL writer. We'll preview today's game. We'll preview tomorrow's games. We got it all covered for you for the divisional round. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. At CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by Geico. There's a quick way you can save some money. You switch to Geico. You go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on car insurance. We preview the national championship game coming up in just one hour. Matt Merchel, Orlando Sentinel will join us. National College football writer for them. Right now we go to the hotline. We welcome in Mark Maskey. Washington Post, NFL writer, follow him on Twitter, at Mark Maskey. That's with an E, not with a Y at the end. And, Mark, we welcome you in, and thanks for joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, let me start off first in Washington. What would you think of the Ron Rivera hiring? I I thought it was a surprisingly adult move for Dan Snyder. <laughs> you know, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, uh, in, in terms of the circumstances they were in, that's the best they were going to be able to do. A guy was an established coach. Um, a guy who's going to come in and, and, and you know, we, we, we've seen them, just as important as the hire by Dan Snyder's, we've seen him give the authority to Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has come in. He's setting things up the way he wants it with his coaches, with his front office structure. He's the guy who's going to have the authority over personnel. So, you know, it's not going to fix everything overnight, but as long as, as the structure around him functions, in a sensible way, he's a guy who's going to to have some success. I'm not saying he's going to turn this around and this is going to be a Super Bowl team in a year or two, but he's a guy who is going to make this a, a team that's respectable again, a team that's competitive again, a team that is at least you know once in a while is going to be a threat to go to the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs. I was just I, I came away surprised. I like it. I like Ron Rivera. I think he's done some great things. I think that he'll be able to work well. 
uh, with what he does, and it's just it's just an adult in the room. I like it. It's just a good thing with the Carolina hire with Matt Rule on the opposite end. I think I'm as open minded to it as ever, Mark, about guys who are from college going in because now we're looking at different college offenses and quarterbacks who still have to play young. So you're going to have to look at a guy who's going to be forward thinking instead of old offset eye, pro set, this, that, and the other. You know, that's true. I mean, when you look at the way the NFL game is played, you know, people are going to watch Lamar Jackson play tonight. That is the way the NFL game has gone. The NFL game has gone in the direction of the college game. College offenses are now NFL offenses. So sort of that barrier has been broken down. I know a lot of people are sort of concerned about how much money uh, David Tepper and the Panthers spend to get Matt Rule. I don't know why anybody worries about it. There's no salary cap for coaches. David Tepper certainly has the money. It's not the – you know, these people who are, who are worried about it, complaining about it, it's not their money being spent. So I think you throw both of those out the window. Obviously, there's going to be a transition. Obviously, this is not a slam dunk hire. I don't think there was a single slam dunk hire around the league. There, there's risk with it. There's uncertainty with it. But, you know, it, it's worth a shot. It's worth a chance. And sort of the college coach aspect, I think, goes out the window now. And, and no one should worry about how much money David Tepper spent on his coach. Mark Maskey joining us on the show from the Washington Post. Find him on Twitter at Mark Maskey. San Francisco doesn't have a real history in the postseason, at least recently. Minnesota does. Could that be a factor in today's game? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I like, I like the, the 49ers when they play at anything resembling their best. I mean, that, that, that's a very balanced team, a team that can run the ball. It's a team that has the ability to make some big plays in the passing game with Garoppolo. It's a team that, that can play very well on defense. We saw that especially in the first part of the season that we saw some vulnerabilities on defense in the second half of the season. So I, I feel about that game. I think I feel about, about just about every game this weekend. I think the visiting team has a chance. Minnesota has a chance. But uh, if the home team, and in this case, San Francisco plays anywhere close to its capability, it's certainly a better team. I, I, I would not be the least bit surprised to see a 49ers-Ravens Super Bowl. Those are the two best teams if they play to their capabilities. But that, that doesn't mean that they will. And, and, and as with every game this weekend, I, I think there's a chance for the Vikings. I think there's a chance for the road team if, if the home team doesn't come out sharp and ready to play. Don't you give away what I can sell later on, Mark. My goodness. <laughs> uh, ha, has Kirk Cousins got the monkey off his back? No, absolutely not. I mean, there will, be, there will always be a segment of the fan base, and a lot of, those, a lot of that segment exists here in Washington that, that, you know, the second his team loses, the second he makes a mistake in a crucial situation, we'll say, same old Kirk Cousins, you know, $84 million contract, not uh, silly money, uh, but he's always going to be that guy who puts up decent numbers overall, but, but when crunch time comes, he's going to make that mistake. So I, I don't think you will ever see – and sort of escape that reputation with some segments of the fan base. But if you pull back, he's had a very good season. Uh, year two in Minnesota has gone a lot better for him than year one. He has them in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think he's moving closer to having sort of the respect of a wider segment of the fan base. But there will always be those who go back and say, the second he makes the big mistake, same old Kirk Cousins. How dangerous is Tennessee really? I know that was a big win last week, but it's a different animal with Baltimore. Yeah, very different animal. And in terms of, of you know, the, the Tennessee defense is going to have, have, have a much more high-powered offense to deal with this time. We saw that the Patriots not really able to, to do much 
on offense. So, so that part of the game becomes very different. But when Tennessee has the ball and you have the ability to, to hand the ball to Derrick Henry, you can control the clock, you can control mm-hmm. the game. I, I think you'll see uh, the Ravens absolutely sell out and do everything they can to stop him. And then it becomes much more of a Ryan Tannehill game than we saw in New England. We saw him do next to nothing against the Patriots, throw for less than 100 yards. I think this game ends up becoming more about Tannehill and less about Henry just because the, the, the Ravens' defense will do everything in its power to dictate that it becomes more about Tannehill. What narrative about Lamar Jackson have you hated the most? Well, obviously the narrative, that, you know, sort of the, the pre-draft narrative that he wasn't capable of, of being an NFL passer, wasn't capable of being an NFL quarterback, anyone who plays – the way he did in college, and anyone who was sort of watching the evolution that we talked about before of where NFL offenses are going knew that he had a chance to succeed. That wasn't a certainty that he'd succeed to this level and this quickly. No, it certainly wasn't a, a certainty that any of these things would happen, but I think you had to know that, that eventually there was a chance he would get reach a level of NFL success. The surprising thing is, is, is how dramatic that level of success has been to be the MVP in year two, the presumptive MVP of the league, and how quickly it's come. That, that, those parts have been amazing and are a great credit not only to him but to the Ravens and the way they've sort of structured things around him and, and allowed him to, to be the player that he is and accentuate his strengths. And, and I, I, I would say hide his weaknesses, but there almost are no weaknesses anymore because of the, the development he has made as a pocket passer and, and the polish he has added to that part of his game. Mark Maskey joining us on the show from the Washington Post. One of the things that I've had to come to terms with is he's done a remarkable job, and a lot of people say, well, you know, he's only one hit away. Well, so was Alex Smith, so I don't want to hear that. And the other thing is is that, okay, he may honestly not, Mark, have a career as long as Brady or Rodgers or anything, but, I mean, seriously, if they win one Super Bowl out of this thing and it looks like they could, doesn't that mean that the investment pays off no matter what if he, if he plays for eight years or five years or 15 years? No, it's true, and it's a funny thing. I, you know, I was one of the persons who early in the, in the year, even in training camp, watching the way the Ravens were going to run this offense, sort of had that same question in my mind because having seen uh, the early years of Robert Griffin in Washington and, and you know, mm-hmm. what, what a mega star he was in his rookie year in Washington playing in that sort of offense, and obviously he was one hit away. He got that hit, and, and, and then his career uh, sort of disappeared after that. But now when you watch Lamar Jackson this year, Number one, he almost never seems to take a hit. You know, he, he, no one ever seems to get a square hit on him. He's so fast. He's so elusive. And, and the other thing is he's, he's much bigger and sturdier than Robert Griffin. You stand by Robert Griffin. He's kind of, you know, he's built like a track guy. Lamar Jackson is not built that way. So he's a sturdier player. I, he seems like he doesn't ever take that big hit, whereas Robert Griffin obviously did take not only that one, but, but took a number of big hits. So, yeah, he's one hit away, but – Someone's actually going to have to put that hit on him. And so far, no one seems able to catch up to him to actually put that kind of hit on him. So, yes, it's a risk. But as you said, you know, that's the way he plays. That's the way the game is played in the league right now. There are risks in football. It's, it's, it's a probably a little bit of a heightened risk when a quarterback plays this way. But that's just going to have to be how it is with him. I thought fans in Houston would get excited, but I ultimately thought it was going to be an overrated experience with J.J. With JJ Watt last week. Ended up making a big difference in that football game. Did they get him back just in time, and can they beat this Kansas City football team tomorrow afternoon? You know, you're right. He may. I, I sort of felt the same way. I was like, sir, you know, okay, why, why are you coming back? And uh, it, it's not going. Yeah, I felt it was just sort of a personal thing that he wanted to be able to do it and wanted to be able to say that he was on the field for his sort of his own 
personal fulfillment and it wouldn't make an impact on the football game. Obviously, I was wrong. He, he made a, a very big play that sort of turned that game around. But now you go to Kansas City, you're, you know, you're facing that offense, you're facing Mahomes. I think of all the, the, the four visiting teams this weekend, I, I sort of give the Texans the smallest chance, and I'm not saying it's no chance. I think there is a chance there. But, but what, what, what we've seen from the Chiefs, not just with the homes and the offense, but the strides they've made on defense in the second half of the year. I, I think the Chiefs, to me, are probably the strongest favorite of the four home teams this weekend. You, you beat me to it. They're finally playing into that Spagnolo defense. You're, you totally took it away from me there, Mark. Mark Maskey joining us on the show. I had callers calling in the entire first hour, like the whole state of Wisconsin got in. And said, Ken, we're underrating Green Bay. And I thought, man, where were you after they beat the Vikings on that Monday night game? I was saying the next day how people can't underrate the Green Bay Packers. And here they are. And they've won some games sloppy. I actually like that as teams go into the postseason in the NFL. I do think it brings you together. It makes you slop it up. But Seattle's a football team. I don't know if you're going to be able to surprise them. There's a, there's a bunch of veterans on that football team, including the quarterback. No, that's true, and I, I feel like with both of these, we're we're looking at two teams there where, where maybe we haven't seen their best yet. I mean, you, you, you sort of alluded to it with, with Green Bay that they, you know, when we've talked about the best teams in the NFC this year, we, we, you know, we we talked about the 49ers, we talked about the Seahawks, and for a long time we talked about the Saints, and and it it, it always felt like the Packers were well, yeah, kind of part of that group, but maybe really not part of that group because of just what you said, they. They kind of muddled their way through some games. You know, was the defense good enough? Was the cast around Rodgers still good enough? Is Rodgers playing at the level that we've seen him play at the past? So I feel like maybe we haven't seen the best of the Packers yet. Maybe there's more there. But then again, with Seattle, you sort of feel the same way. And, yes, we've seen some very good performances from them. But you're talking about a team that was 7-1 and on the road in the regular season, now just won a road playoff game in Philadelphia, and we see what happened with D.K. Metcalf. So does that transform that whole team? in terms of its ability to make big plays in the passing game. So to me, that's a very interesting game where, where you have two teams that have played very well all season, and yet we still have sort of that nagging feeling. Maybe we haven't seen their best. Maybe the best is yet to come. It will be interesting to see if either of those teams sort of elevates it to that level that we think that they can get to. Did you think the Clowney hit was dirty last week? I don't know about dirty, clean. To me, that's a, that's a sort of a – uh, a hard determination to make when you don't know what's in the players' minds. Uh, you know, with the NFL's decision not to find him, I think uh, what people have to look at is, you know, there are a very particular set of rules that govern these things in terms of legal hit, illegal hit. What was Carson Wentz, what, under the rules, is called a defenseless player. You know, it was uh, you cannot hit a defenseless player helmet to helmet. Obviously, this was a helmet to helmet hit. The officials ruled, you know, that he was a runner and not a, a defenseless player. They were ruled that he was not giving himself up, and they ruled that, that the helmet contact was incidental. Now, we can all agree or disagree with any of those things, but that when they ruled that on the field, and then the league comes back and looks at it on to whether to find it, to find Clowney, I think they sort of look at that and, and take all of those things into consideration and, and decide that, okay, it was reasonable that the officials on the field ruled this way, so therefore there won't be a fine. And then the other thing the league looked at was the, the rule – that came into effect before last season where you can't lower your head and use your helmet to initiate a forcible contact. But, you know, again, the officials had ruled that this was incidental contact. So I think all of that played in. I always have a hard time with saying dirty or clean. I think in terms of whether it was legal or illegal, it was borderline. And, and 
the officials and the league sort of went one way, and, and I, I sort of had a hard time arguing too, too vehemently on the other side either way that they had gone. I, I thought it was very borderline. Final one. Tom Brady cannot play for the Patriots next year. Where would he play? Cannot play for the Patriots next year. Um, that's that's a great question. I mean, I, I think, you know, sort of the Chargers come into play. I, uh, something like that, something with the Chargers. I, I still believe he'll be in New England. But if, if you rule me out and make me pick one other place, I'll say Chargers. What about the Colts? I, you know, actually, obviously a possibility with, with their quarterback situation, assuming that Andrew Luck is not interested in coming back to the NFL. Yeah, that, that becomes a possibility. But, again, to me, I'm only saying this because you're saying I can't say New England. I still think it's New England where they keep the band together and try it one more time. Honestly, though, they need each other. You know that, Mark. I know that. The Absolutely. American people know that. Mark, yeah, but, we... but, it, but it's, fun, it's fun to play the best guessing game of if not New England where. But I, I, just, I, I think it's New England for one more year. I really do. Can't thank you enough for the time, Mark. All the best. Enjoy the games today. Thanks for having me. Mark Maskey, Washington Post NFL writer. Find him on Twitter at Mark Maskey with an E, not a Y at the end. 855-2124-CBS. When it comes to the Kalani hit, I think there is a difference between dirty and illegal. I don't know if he were doing it on purpose. I don't know if he would, I don't know if he would have the presence of mind to turn and, and pile his head into the head of Carson Wentz. I do think it was an illegal hit. And there's plenty of times where your meaning doesn't mean anything. I think that I think Jadavion Clowney should have been fined. I think it was a silly move by Jadavion Clowney, but I don't think he did it in a dirty fashion. I think it was illegal. If I run a stop sign nine times out of ten, I don't mean it. I didn't see it. And if I get pulled over, I'm still going to pay the fiddler. I can't not fine you if I still find it to be guilty. I still can't not fine you for it. I think Jadeveon Clowney should have been fined for it. There should be some sort of a precedent. I, I think that we get this struggle. There are guys who are dirty. There are definitely players who are dirty. There have been players who are dirty. There will be players who are dirty. I think we mix this up all the time, though. Just because it wasn't dirty doesn't mean it wasn't illegal. I think it was, uh, it was illegal, and it should have been fined on Jadeveon Clowney. 855-2124-CBS. Up next in about 20 minutes. About 30 minutes. We'll do five burning questions. Also, Matt Merchell going to join us 12.40 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk college football with him, Dabo Sweeney. And next, yep, we have to have an honest and frank discussion about the Rooney Rule because they still need it. It's Ken Common on CBS Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 